Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Zach Celedonia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma, running on fumes and coffee, as is my colleague, my pal, another cohort of mine, and another brother from another mother, Awan Zach Flash Celadonia. What's going on? Hey, what's on your mug there, man? Oh, uh, Cafe Conmigo. It's a little coffee shop by me, actually owned by an old high school classmate of mine. We were kind of friends. We had math together. Um, But he... uh, he bought the coffee shop by my uh, place of work and it's called cafe con Migo. Nice little spot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like a little promotion there, like free yeah, promotion yeah. word of mouth. Like I'm just, um, you know, I'm trying to get some coffee. It was a very long, uh, stressful game trip and everything else. It's like the right-handed mug. Like why do they put the logo like on the other side? Like I can't hold my mug like that and I'm not left-handed. It's just so how am I supposed to drink coffee like that? Like a T-Rex. Like, yeah, it just I thought it was work. a plain yellow mug you were rocking there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, people probably think that all the time, but no. Like, you, sometimes you can see when I get to the bottom of it, like, got the NFL logo on the bottom. Hopefully, I just didn't slurp in the microphone here. But um, very un, unlikely set of events yesterday, right? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. uh, Steelers are back in first place in the AFC North. 2-0 and in the division. Very Big victory over the Baltimore Ravens, 17 to 10. They did not get the 17 points in the traditional way that you would think. We're going to discuss all of that. But yeah, if Baltimore wins this, very important tidbit here, something that we didn't like touch on, or maybe I didn't fully realize until after the game. They would have been not only 3 and 0 in the division, now I knew 3 and 0, but they would have been 3 and 0 all on the road. Like against Cincinnati, Cleveland, and then Pittsburgh. So very big victory as far as like the pecking order of how things are because they get a 3-0 jump and then have to play the other three games at home. And, you know, they're going to be the front the front runner. Well, all considering they've lost to some bad teams. Some people would probably say the Steelers are one of those bad teams. But enjoy the victory. Savor the moment. Uh, we've got some things and stuff to talk about. Where do we begin? I'm not even sure. I mean, the first thing is obviously being like an underdog at home i always love the concept of deferring and putting especially the steelers defense steps up to the occasion on this one so they get the ball to start the second half but i mean it didn't look like at any point here that the steelers really had any chance you know what i mean uh the the offense comes out first quarter two drives in the first quarter right uh six plays 16 yards so they actually got like a first down on the first very very first drive and then three plays, four yards, and you're just kind of like, well, now we're right back to whatever. At least you got backup punters in there. You've got uh, you got the Herbic brother, one of the Herbic brothers playing on guard. You, know, you got a rookie making his first start with Broderick Jones, who gets tested at some points during this game. Two uh, rookies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. So, yeah, uh, very fun. I felt I felt for it, Joe. I, when they got yeah. that first down on the first series, I was like, oh, we're back. We're cooking now, baby. <laughs> Even though Connor Hayward hardly got the first down, I said maybe things will be different this game. They weren't, but we'll take the win, like you said. Two in the division that can't be understated. Actually, in the midst of all the emotions, I kind of let it slip my mind that we already beat the Browns. So two and zero in the division, top of the North. Hard to complain about that kind of stuff, but we'll find a way to. Just as most fans have as well, because we brought it together in the end. 
but the offense was still terrible, terrible for 80 to 90% of the game, which sucks to see. You love that they were able to pull out the win. Um, some players came out big in some big time moments, but there's still a long-term problem with this team. And that is the offense. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, big time moments. We'll get to George Pickens in the big play uh, later. We're going to cover this, I believe. We'll go quarter to quarter. Like, it's a little easier to do that, even though there wasn't a whole lot. Because the Steelers, I mean, they didn't get a three and out to start with the Ravens' uh, offense on the field first. But they basically forced the Ravens to punt six plays, 34 yards. Not the greatest, but on the second um, Ravens' possession, Seven plays, 59 yards, and a touchdown. And there wasn't any point here where the Ravens faced a third down situation. No third in anything, distance, whatever. And that was um, that was not looking very good for the Steelers at this point. You're like, are they going to be able to – is this team just going to mow them down completely? You had Justice Hill go uh, to the left, 14 yards. I believe we were talking about this off air and was that Desmond King maybe that was out of position on that one? Because we finally saw what kind of changes are Mike, Mike Tomlin was talking about changes and people wanted to, you know, bitch and complain all week about, well, he didn't make any changes. The only change they really wanted was to hear that Matt Canada was going to be fired, which we still think could be imminent. He could be let go, relieved of his duties, demoted, whatever be the case. Uh, Facts. If, yeah. if not, he should be. I mean, yeah. I mean, it still wasn't, uh, this wasn't pretty by any means. It, you know, you can't. Were you saying this or was Brian saying this or did we all say this? Like you can't just get by by making one play or one series. Per, per, you can't live and die by that because you see what happens against like the Texans or the 49ers, which I mean, for all intents and purposes now, we could say with the 49ers, they're just they're smoking everybody. What are they like on a 14 game consecutive win streak going back to last year? Just absolutely wild. So, yeah, the Niners game yeah. feels a little like unimportant now because yeah. they're just waxing everybody and yeah it feels a little dirty um after a win when you have to take the negatives and still talk about them you don't feel like as good as you could but you myself and brian and others it, were exactly right it's it's not sustainable the offense is still the same where they'll fight tooth and nail if you're lucky and keep it close enough that in the end maybe the two-minute offense and kenny pickett can do something and, and Miraculous, miraculously pull the game out. That isn't a way you can win football games at a consistent rate in this league. And it really was the one play. I, I know that there were other positives from the offense. Jalen Warren had a couple good plays. Kenny, I think of like his 15, 16 completions, there were like six or seven legitimately good throws. So you want to you want to remember those and take those away from the game. But this whole online argument about whether or not Canada called that big play is so funny to me because you have people going to bat defending this guy saying he deserves credit for calling that play. He, give Canada the credit he deserves for the play call. Okay, he can have the credit. It's one play call over the course of an entire game. That's not anything to be proud of. Okay, it was the execution that pulled off the win. Imagine being Matt Canada. Okay, sorry to put you in that dark space mentally but imagine being matt canada <laughs> and you go to your next job interview after you get fired from here and you go in and say hey, yeah i know that my time in pittsburgh we were ranked 30th in virtually every category on offense the entire time i was there but did you see that one play week five 
versus the Ravens. Call <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, I know. And that's where we're at. Uh, that's why I thought maybe a decision or something was made. There were some arguments yeah. about who called that play. I mean, we got Kenny's quote. Uh, I thought I had Kenny's quote. I have the John you Harbaugh quotes that the, are up. The, the, you probably do. Yeah. The players the players are all media trained. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are the Steelers, so we're a, we're a buttoned-up organization. Nobody on the team outside of maybe George Pickens is going to let it slip that Canada did or did not call that play. They are instructed on what to say, how to act, and what answers to give and not give the media. So some of the Pittsburgh media coming forward saying, no, Kenny Pickett and Jalen Warren, they, they said it was Matt Canada's call. No shit, dude. They're not going to like, they're not going to try to stir up any kind of storm or add any more controversy to this locker room that already has yeah. a lot focused on the offensive side of the ball. They're trying to keep everything in place for the betterment of the team, but we all can see it. Everybody and their moms know that Matt Canada is just not good at his job. And you can win a game like this and you can put the fans to sleep happy, but most of us waking up this morning know that there's still a problem on this team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have a chance to grow. Most of the mainstream media, your national outlets and stuff that were covering this game, talking about how the Steelers came from behind, got the offense to click late, which is semi-true. I mean, even though there were, you know, there were some plays left on the field, but Baltimore left a lot more plays on the field and a lot more points on the field. I don't know what they could be thinking this morning. They got to certainly be licking their wounds. And this is where I was uh, during the week, by the way, Kenny Pickett's quote real quick before I get into this, because I got, I, I might have one of the worst takes of the, maybe I should do that later. The worst takes, like I got one where somebody was saying the Steelers were the laughing stock of the NFL. And I'm like, have you looked around the league? There's certainly, they may not be top five, but, uh, including not giving up 70 points right now, <laughs> like the Denver Broncos aren't looking very hot. Uh, but uh, question was asked, Kenny, can you talk about the touchdown play and where you were going the whole time? And he said, yeah, they went zero. We were preparing all week in these kind of bigger moments that they were going to go zero, got our protection right, gave George Pickens, of course, his route. He went up there and won. Big time player making big time plays in those moments. And I want to see, do I have um, maybe pick, I have, I have Pickett? I don't know if I have Pickett's, um, if he commented on this too. Um. George, was that you coming out of the huddle on the touchdown? You guys check into that? No, we came out of the huddle. So it was already – so you came into the game knowing you would be a big intended target. I knew I would be a big factor, not knowing how big or small a factor it would be. But, yeah, I knew I would probably play a significant role for sure. And it's like, well, yeah, duh, this guy, he's, you know, he's one of the biggest uh, – he needs to be a big play target. And you see how he could be a game changer, obviously, by the way this ended up and the uh, the victory, the game-winning touchdown. And that's where a lot of people were talking about Pickett the Pickens. They had the call by Bill Hillgrove. It's very cool to see the national media kind of pick up on it. And uh, Pickett's had a lot of other things to say, you know, just about growth, confidence with Kenny Pickett and stuff like that. So check out that uh, that interview if you hadn't seen it i just noticed in that picture of george pickens running it yeah. looks like he's wearing bathing ape cleats <laughs> the soldier boy shoes are those yeah. vapes it looks like it the i don't star know man the street behind i don't it. know that's you know so what? funny um i wonder if like here we got a little bit more of uh i could maybe zoom in a little bit more on this ah, it's about as good as it's gonna get there so those are those yep. are those are pretty sweet uh i mean you're all about swag so you would pick up on that especially with the uh wide receivers so um my yeah. children 
Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be some, and we already alluded to this, that, you know, that doesn't mean, I thought that a decision, for better or worse, what Matt Canada was already made last week, you're not going to change this. Well, Kenny's banged up. You don't know if he's going to play. You're going to switch to Mitch Trubisky. Why not just change an OC all together? And we'll talk about some potential candidates with that too. But there's a lot of talk about the reaction from Matt Canada following that play too. And it was like no reaction. It was like, oh, he was real sour grapes or whatever about it. And it was like, maybe he's just relieved. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like fist pump. Oh, you should just get rid of this guy because he's like an emotionless, soulless clown or whatever. And it's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, how it's to... piling on at this point. But yeah. it's, it's possible he was just like out of it and, and exhausted yeah. and tired. And uh, his non-reaction is what stirred up this whole argument online and people typing up paragraphs on Twitter talking about, no, it was his play call or no, it wasn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It was one play call. It won the game, but it's not something that Canada should be hanging his hat on and like be like, but look at this. Look what I can do. Like, I'm good now, you know? No, so it's bad. I think it's just kind of like <laughs> some people are having fun with it. Other people are taking it seriously, but that's the internet in a nutshell after uh, a Steelers game. Yeah, and you know, um, I was there yesterday. Brian was too. He could attest to there were a lot of um, – fire Matt Canada chance and some of them actually changed the uh fire into a different f word also four <laughs> letters so very, very yeah I know very classy stay classy Pittsburgh I mean our first drive was like Najee Harris right guard two yards Najee left tackle two yards and then uh Connor Hayward's out there and you're like I'm gonna give my props I've been I've been on Connor right I've I've had some things to say like oh I don't really like I don't see the value I, I don't like always you know he's out there uh, it hasn't always worked out and you know he's he's rookie you know what else are you gonna say or second year player I should say but getting a lot more snaps than he did the year before and I'll I'll, um, I'll preface it by saying like I I was very impressed with how he was used throughout the game um in this one because he stepped up and he came in with some moments he gets that first um first down kind of moving the chains play uh what was it just like a little six yard pass it's nothing big but still he was involved and having him involved in the game is something you need to do they finally got jaron warren a little more involved in the past game i wish they would get Najee a little more involved in the past game starting to open some things up i think at some point i'm trying to find i can't remember if this was in the first quarter but there was um you know they end up punting and then you have the justice hill touchdown they're down seven nothing they go three and out and they went looking for like uh, you know some passes just weren't in sync um the run game was only getting like two yards a carry and then baltimore goes out there and has a 15 play drive to get down to the, the steelers four yard line 15 plays 64 yards the defense does hold them to only a field goal you're like praise baby jesus maybe they could still get something going with this you're already into the second quarter and and then the Steelers, uh, they put together a little bit of better of a drive here. They have something a little sustained. It was 10 plays, 43 yards, but they don't get any points out of this. Kenny Pickett ends up getting sacked third and seven, the Ravens 39-yard line. Arthur Mollette, like, oh, where were you? Where have you been, dude? Like, that's just gross. Like, I don't even like the fact that he went over to the Ravens. I get it. He needs a paycheck or whatever. But they took a deep shot during this, right? It was just after they got a conversion, third and seven. Once again, Connor Hayward, 12 yards. Uh, Pickett looked deep for George Pickens. Looked like it was maybe overthrown. Uh, he may have had him there, but it just didn't sync up, right? And then there was like a little short pass, three yards, Allen Robinson. Boo Birds come out when Kenny gets sacked. I think at some point during this, 
There may have been a pass attempt. It might have been on this sack that he may have been looking, or I think there may have been a pass. I was trying to see if he actually threw one for Darnell Washington, but they almost overlapped. Like Darnell Washington was like in the middle of the field, but he was shorter, a more intermediate route. Calvin Austin was behind him. And like, if that ball goes over, he probably couldn't see Austin over Washington. But if this goes over the top, that's it was a TD. And I don't think Kenny had enough time. I'm not sure it was this exact play or where I, I didn't get to rewatch the game. Was uh, that video. when was that when he threw to Washington over the middle and yeah. Roquan Smith like came over top almost too early? Yes. I think that was the next drive. Okay. You may be absolutely right. I'm gonna look at this because um right after this, Brad Wing punts thirty nine yards. Brad Wing, good game. You know, we were just talking about this off air too. Like, uh, it, it was very, it's promising to see, like to have a good punt game or good punting. And I know it was only like, you know, it was 39 yards, but he got Baltimore down to their, um, down to their eight. And yeah, Brad Wing came to play. Brad yeah. Wings earned himself some money. He might get a job somewhere else when Presley Harvin comes back. Man, it's so hard to say because Presley Harvin had been inconsistent but Presley Harvin had actually been getting the job done too. So it's like, do you, does a guy like lose their job due to injury? I mean, it's a very volatile situation with punters as it is. And wing is yeah. only on the practice squad and you're only going to be able to protect him for so much. You can't, he's already been activated twice. I believe that's the limit. So they can't call him back up again. He's going to need to take an active roster spot. If mm. Harvin, you know, they got a bye week now. So Harvin's got some more time to rest and get ready. But now what do you do with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Har Wing, Wing's doing pretty solid here. He's he's shown out. And yeah, he's it actually sucks that Presley Harvin is playing his best ball right before he got hurt. You know, it's like he finally seemed to get it. And uh, he's finally punting like his college self from Georgia Tech. And he goes and hurts his hamstring or groin, whatever it is. Yeah, and if he and if he hadn't done so, then he'd probably be out of work completely, or re, you know, release or injured reserve or something like that. I'm wondering like what might end up transpiring. So that's another transaction to put on this layer because you know we're calling for Matt Canada to be fired. We'll stick with special teams. We're gonna get there again on something else because you know some stuff that really really uh, ticks you off. But the Steelers, um, you know, it looked like Baltimore was starting to get some chunk plays. Nine yards, Gus Edwards, um, Mark Andrews found for thirteen yards. Then there was no gain, and Lamar Jackson tries to find Justice Hill. He ends up fumbling. Larry Ogunjobi knocks it out to Monte Casey, picks it up, and now the Steelers have the ball back with about five and a half minutes to go before halftime. And then again, you know, the Steelers, uh, Kenny Pickett, you get a first down on second and 10, 11 yard pass. George Pickett is like, all right, now we're cooking. We don't have to struggle all the time to get to third down. They're down to the Baltimore. They get down to the Baltimore um, 16 on end round. George Pickens, once again, wide receiver running the ball. Is this where you want? Do you want to give Matt Canada a little bit of credit for this? Now, when it works, it's like, yeah, this looks good. Most of the time, it isn't working. It gets stopped, and the Boo Birds would have been out. But now it gets you down the on the doorstep. You're almost in the red zone, and Jalen Warren. Uh, you have an incomplete pass intended for Miles Boykin for whatever reason. You have Jalen Warren loses a yard on a run, and then another incomplete pass by Kenny. And at least the Steelers get on the board. Forty-three yard field goal with Chris Boswell. Give the Ravens the ball back. 
and they run a um this this gets all the way down to the Steelers 23 there's some uh plays here including within a two-minute drill Mark Andrews gets a 14-yard play Lamar Jackson gets sacked right after that by TJ Watt they let the clock tick a little bit before the Steelers start to use their timeout sets up a third and 18 for Baltimore's 40 and Jackson finds Zay Flowers right in the middle of the field yeah you've got some feelings about that right I did too that was gross no excuse no excuse for that, dude. I was sitting there. I blame myself because I'm sitting there with my girlfriend and she's asking me what's going on. And I'm like, well, we're going to get the ball back here because they're not going to convert third and 18. Shocker. They convert third and 18. And Lamar, I don't know what I know. TJ and Highsmith picked it up in the second half. But Lamar had time to go through his calendar, call his mom, make a sandwich, go through all of his reads and then decide where he's going with the ball for a majority of that game. The defense rose up in the end, but Lamar had way too much time to throw the ball. And he's athletic, so whenever you give a guy like that time, he can just make more time because he's able to escape pressure and move. And that third and 18 was an encapsulation of just everything that was going wrong with the defense in, in the first half. I couldn't believe what I saw, that he was able to just take his yeah. time, roll left, whoop, Zay Jones right there. It would have been good from third and 30, I feel like. Well, we'll talk about the adjustments made at halftime here in a second. I got, I got some feels about this. I mean, Lamar Jackson then tries to find Mark Andrews and Odell Beckham Jr., both incomplete passes. Um, Baltimore ends up taking a timeout after that one. Third and 10 from the Steelers, 31. little short pass to Nelson Aguilar. We didn't call his name very much in this one. And that's it, it sets up a fourth and two. And the Ravens leave their offense out there. And you're like, okay, uh, what's going to transpire here? Are they really going to try and snap this ball? And uh, there's a little bit of like, uh, there's some controversy as Harbs would always have you uh, believe. But they end up snapping the ball, fourth and two, even though they've got the GOAT, a probably one of the only times you could say a kicker is most certainly going to go into the Hall of Fame. Justin Tucker should, unless he has an absolutely abysmal career going forward. And they or put up somebody. Yeah. They put on another three. Yeah. You'd have to do something like, you know, like he's um, prostituting children and or something like terrible. You know what I mean? Give him the OJ treatment. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, and and uh, they end up uh, Lamar Jackson. Like They just look stunned. And I guess the plan was, according to Harbaugh, pulling up his quotes and he gets asked and they end up uh, he ends up saying we were planning on kicking the field goal there the idea was to run down the clock run the clock down not leave them time to come the other way and then just call a timeout smart coaching right and then kick the field goal of course you got Justin Tucker it's a chip shot another three points you go in the halftime up uh, two possessions 10 points 13 to 3 that's what it should be and he says we weren't on the same page they jumped the neutral zone so he's blaming the referees and guys thought that we're in the neutral zone went ahead and snapped it so that wasn't what we were planning on doing obviously they were trying to draw off sides you get the five-yard penalty plus trying to get a free play i'm gonna call it as it is this guy's gr a greedy We've seen it before when he went for two and it backfired on him, and then he tries to make excuses. I do think that maybe they they had something on page, and that was the whole thing. Let's get the free play. They were getting greedy instead of just don't snap the ball no matter what, hard count, see if you can get him to jump. They got greedy. So end of story. But he was still, that's um, we have to get better at operational things. He says Lamar Jackson was surprised by the snap, so that was one of these th those things operationally we just have to get better at. Um, and somebody yeah, Ravens were, mistakes are the 
story of the game. Yeah. No, that's it was huge. That was a huge. They took three points uh, off the board for them. <laughs> Some boo birds come out, but I mean, what are the Steelers going to do with 13 seconds? They take a knee, knee, they're getting the ball to start the second half, and you're hoping in the third quarter that things are going to go a little bit better. Unfortunately, Zach, um, they don't start out any better there, but huge, huge, huge fourth, fourth and two. What a bonehead mistake by everybody involved. Your $500 million quarterback or whatever, your, your long tenured coach. Everybody wants to talk about Mike Tomlin and, you know, uh, Matt Canada and stuff like that. Look at Harbaugh. Look at Todd Bonkin. Look at Lamar Jackson. What in the hell was that? That was just garbage. That was bad. That's bad all the way around by them. Yeah, they see the Steelers colors over there on the Raven sideline and like something happens to them where they just can't think straight. You know, it's no secret, pardon me, that Lamar's, <clears throat> pardon me, sorry, Lamar plays his worst ball against the Steelers, which works out for us because we're in his division. And something about the way he plays against the Steelers and I think Harbaugh's determination to try and beat the Steelers, his biggest rival, it results in sometimes you just catch them sleeping and, and making mistakes. And it was happening every yeah. quarter in this game for the Ravens. Drop passes, bad decisions on down and distance, <laughs> um, mental errors. You know, receivers drop balls all the time. Like, every team deals with drops. And if that's your team, you're allowed to, like, cling to that, to cope, I feel like. Like, Ravens fans, they can wake up this morning telling themselves, hey, Lamar didn't lose us the game. Our receivers dropped, like, seven balls. But if you're a fan of a different team, you don't really have room to talk because everybody's team drops balls. So the Steelers lucked out with this win, but they still did enough to earn the right to try and win the game at the end, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, the Ravens made mistakes, but so did the Steelers. And the Steelers were the ones who just happened to make less mistakes. Yeah, the dropped pass is a big, big part of this game. Obviously, we mentioned some of the drives here that already ended in the first half. Harbaugh had something to say about that as well. Uh, somebody had asked if he was surprised by those drop passes. He goes, I'm not surprised by anything in the NFL, <laughs> in football. Uh, it's just it's just the way it goes, and we keep working on that. I know we'll make those plays going forward. Those are balls that our guys are going to catch. They catch them all the time. I, the reason I'm bringing up Harbaugh's comments is, is imagine if this game was the other way around and the Ravens end up you know, winning the game and the Steelers drop a bunch of passes and leave points on the, then we'd be talking about all the coach speak and what was Mike Tomlin going to do to make any type of drastic changes at halftime? What were the adjustments? And everybody was just mad to fire Canada. What are the adjustments? What's this team going to do differently? We're not seeing any of it. We're not hearing any of it. Um, well, one of those changes, if you were sitting there, you're probably wondering, we've been banging our you know, fist on the desks and everything like that. Finally, I got Broderick Jones in this game uh, by virtue of injury, but Joey Porter Jr. is the guy that needed to be out there. This secondary, we talked about that Zay Flowers play. You got Chandon Sullivan playing in the slot. They were trying to get Desmond King out there a little bit. We're not sure if Desmond King on the right page. Off air, we were talking about that was very reminiscent of like a killer Witherspoon, not knowing where to be on the big Henry Ruggs, uh, Henry Ruggs, Harry Ruggs. Jeez, I'm like saying his name wrong now. Uh, Raiders play like a few years ago when he was first traded. Everybody's like, oh, this guy's an absolute bum, you know, get him off the field. But what we were seeing is, is that Patrick Peterson was struggling. That causes Levi Wallace to struggle out there. I don't think Chandon, I think Chandon Sullivan had been struggling. And the adjustment was. Joey Porter Jr. ends up coming in and he's playing on the left side. He played almost the entire, I believe, the entire second half. Patrick Peterson actually went to the sidelines and was now coming in as the slot corner. 
and they left Levi Wallace over on the right. And what you end up seeing now was <laughs> it was almost like a transformation with the way the defense was able to get some coverage. Even if the rookie is going to make some mistakes, you're going to make some mistakes. But these teams need to learn, like yesterday, don't test Joey Porter Jr. It's already been proven in prior games. And it ends up coming to fruition here a little bit later. But that was one of the big changes. Also, Keanu Benton not only named with the starters, but starting in this game. Uh, I believe that he played well. He was They were still having to rotate, but you didn't see a whole lot of Isaiah Loudermilk out there. It was mostly Montrevious Adams. DeMarvin Leal was out of this game, still concussion protocol. So it was Ogunjobi, uh, Montrevious Adams, Armand Watts, I thought was playing pretty well out there as well. And then, of course, the big boy, the other second round pick out of Wisconsin rookie Keanu Benton. I was very happy with uh, Zach. It looked like the defense, they came around. They gave up 10 points in the first half, and that's all they ended up giving up. Yeah, the Steelers rookies came through in a big way. It looks like we're all seeing what we thought was going to happen at the end of April a couple months ago when the Steelers came out with what a lot of people said was the best or one of the best draft classes in the NFL. They took their time getting these guys on the field, but Keanu Benton's played well at every turn. Every time he's gotten a chance to play, he's mm -hmm. doing a good job. He knows where to go. He plays with power. He's got pass rush ability. He's ahead of his time as a defensive lineman. I think he's going to be a great player for the Steelers. Robert Jones had his best game. Kenny seemingly, for a majority of the game, had more time to throw. He wasn't getting as rushed as we had seen in games prior. And uh, gave up zero sacks, I think maybe one pressure or zero pressures. Like Jones came to play, and Jones showed what we were hoping to see out of a first-round pick left tackle. And Joey Porter Jr., long overdue, he might be the best cornerback on this team right now. And by that, I mean he is the best cornerback on this team right now. Let him play. Let him play. Every time he's out there, something good happens, whether it's a pass deflection, whether it's an interception, whether it's a guy – not throwing his way because he's got his man locked up. All three of those rookies should be playing a majority of the snaps. They all should be starting. Darnell Washington didn't have the best showing. He only got a couple targets in the one pass. Some would say was a defensive pass interference that wasn't called. But as far as blocking is concerned, I think he did a good job. So that is a big positive you can take away from this game. Aside from the obvious win, aside from the obvious big play to George Pickens, the Steelers rookies look like, they're a good class. Yes, they do. Uh, I was looking for your Broderick Jones stats. Obviously, I must have come from PFF, and I had it. Uh, I had it until I didn't. Uh, let me pull it back up because it should be near the top of my page. I retweeted it like, <laughs> recently. Uh, let's see here. It was it, one hurry and one pressure allowed, and they most certainly did. They tried to bring the house on them. And it felt like, I think, if I go back and look, it was either a third down conversion or it was the play at the, near the end of the game with George Pickens. Uh, but I think it was like a third down maybe on that drive. They brought the house. They overloaded. They had three people coming on that side with Sumalo and Broderick Jones. And Broderick Jones ate, like, it felt like he ate two of those guys. Those guys did not come through or get, like, unblocked. They at least got hit, chipped, moved, disrupted, and it gave uh, Kenny the time to make those throws. Talk about some offensive adjustments after this, because we're going to talk about like the OC stuff too. So continuing on, Steelers did go three and out. The Boo Birds were out there because you had a third and one and Najee goes left, which is where you should run, but no gain. Patrick Queen gets in there and makes a stop uh, after Najee starts this drive with a nice five-yard run off the left side, right? 
Uh, just a four-yard pass to Allen Robinson. Marlon Humphrey, I should mention, that was his first action back out there this, uh, I believe, the entire season for the Ravens. He had been hurt. It was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he was just fr- finally activated in, or finally practicing, I should say. Um, but the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, they get they they do get a first down, and then they get kind of stopped. Uh, they get stopped kind of dead in their tracks right at the 50-yard uh, line here. And the Steelers get the ball back on their 13. They have like a very small drive, but they pick up some first downs. There's some things that are starting to at least matriculate here, right? Uh, Najee has an eight-yard run. They're, they're starting to pick up some yards in the run game here here or there for better or for worse. Uh, short little pop pass. Like he's looking for Allen Robinson. He looked for a deep one. And then Kenny comes back and finds Robinson again just for four yards. Uh, he finds Jalen Warren for a nice little 10-yard uh, play. Jalen Warren also in this game with that hurdle that ends up coming a little bit later. He was getting feisty and they leave him in there and he was getting hot i will say this much there's a lot of argument out there when it comes to Najee harris versus jalen warren this isn't a versus type situation this is a this is complimentary football i like to think that Najee comes out there and kind of softens everybody up because he was leading i think coming into this weekend the entire NFL in yards per carry after contact. And which isn't hard to believe because he gets contacted behind the line almost constantly. Is he Barry Sanders? No, he's not. He's not the second coming of Barry Sanders yet, but he doesn't have quite the offensive line or the run game or the play calling. That's really been beneficial to get this dude to be like, you know, a perennial thousand yard rusher, but I don't think he holds up. He gets positive yards. Yeah. And I think, I don't think that Jalen Warren can do this just by himself. I think yeah. that they complement each other very well. Warren is a hell of a blocker, but you know, as you tend to notice it more, is Warren like just a smaller guy? I would have to look them up because Najee just seems like he's a bulkier back. You know what I mean? So maybe yeah, it Warren's just a little dude. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Najee like misses any blocks, but it also seems like they use Warren more of like a third down back. It reminds me of like Moelle Moore or somebody like that. Tomlin's gotten back to that if that's his coaching style i don't know if that's a matt canada thing but now that they're starting even connor hayward ends up with some of that and there's a play call that comes out here i don't think we're getting to it just yet um this might have been it jalen warren right end for six yards first and ten might have been in this spot where they left warren and Najee harris out on the field both of them at the same time then they lined up warren basically as a tight end over on the left side of the formation, brought him across in motion, snapped the ball and handed it off almost seamlessly. And that was very good execution. It could have been that play there. Sorry, I'd have to look at film again and, and catch it at that certain time. But I found that pretty interesting that they almost had like the pony formation with both guys in the backfield, the old Madden pro form or whatever you want to call it with two guys, um, Two, run, two running backs in the backfield. We've been looking for that for years. We've been alleged that yeah. back with like James Conner was still on the team that, that maybe Bell and D'Angelo Williams could have done it or Bell and Conner or whatever uh, combination of guys. So I, it's maybe something else that can go well. Unfortunately, Kenny Pickett gets sacked right after this, loses six yards. This may have been one of those zero type things because um, there was something here where this is where they saw it again and that led to... Uh, sliding the protections, learning, recognizing, and adjusting that led to the game-winning play there. Uh, Which is great uh, because a big critique I've heard of Kenny Pickett from fans and media alike is he's just not seeing what he needs to see pre-snap. So the fact that he ended the game like that, making the right reads and sliding the protection the right way, that's a big positive. 
Yeah, uh, it gets the Steelers don't end up getting anything out of this. Kenny Pickett looked for Darnell Washington, short left, third and ten. Uh, Brad Yard, Brad, Brad Wing with a nice forty-two yard punt here gets the Ravens. It's within their twenty, down to the eighteen. It was a fair catch. Devin Duvernay might not have been his best punt, but he's not going for power there. We had like there were, there was like the one punt I think with the Ravens where the ball died and you're just waiting for it to kind of roll and it didn't and we're going to talk a little bit about that with Gunnar Olszewski here in a second because man I'm gonna I've had enough of him but you go right to this play here 548 left in the third quarter deep right Nelson Aguilar 30 yards uh Steelers challenged the completion it was the play reversed and then it was uh changed to a catch fumble ball out of bounds, whatever that weirdness was, they get the ball basically in the middle of the field again, and the Steelers don't get charged with a timeout. But I've never heard that in my life. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, they explained it on TV. It was because Tomlin was challenging the whole play. So I guess when you challenge the whole play, anything that gets reversed gives you, like, the win of the challenge. You don't get the result you want. Like, the ball yeah. was still completed, but the refs didn't call it a fumble on the field. So when they reviewed it, they saw it was a catch and a fumble. And because they didn't acknowledge the fumble before the challenge, and they did after, they were like, well, it's still a catch, but there's a fumble as well. So Pittsburgh isn't charged a timeout. They don't win the challenge, but they are charged a timeout because something in the play was overturned. Not the end result, but they missed something that the challenge pointed out and made obvious. That is, I don't know, dude. That was just like really that was just really freaking weird like, at that point in the game dude i was rooting for any victories yeah. i mean we didn't really need the timeout but i was actually excited i was like nice we got one there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, i'm with you too like I, um i can't argue it right so, and, I, and just time back real quick uh backtrack to jalen warren mm -hmm. i think he has shown that he's right there like starter quality. The thing is the Steelers are, I guess, blessed. You could say with two starter quality running backs and they're very different. You mentioned complimentary football. Najee Harris is a battering Ram. We all know he's not very fast, but he runs hard. He, he's a good player. As long as blocking holds up, he's versatile because he can catch the ball. But Jalen Warren is what he is. He's a spark plug. He comes in and provides a spark. If you put too much on that guy's plate, his ability to provide a spark like is no more. He, now he's supposed to be in there all the time. So I like what the Steelers have been doing with their approach where it's seemingly a 60-40, sometimes 50-50 split, and they're not opposed to sticking with the hot hand. That's kind of more of a quarterback phrase. But for running backs, there was a point in the game where it was obvious that Jalen Warren was the best offensive player yes. for the Steelers, not named George Pickens. And what did the Steelers do? They fed him. They kept feeding him. Yeah. And that, that's, that's good decision-making and good play-calling and good distribution of labor from Mike Tomlin and Canada. So I'll give Canada props for that, for recognizing and seeing, hey, Warren's running really good right now. Keep feeding him. It got to a point where they literally got to the point where I think it was first and 10, and Warren finally got stuffed for like minus two, and that made them stop because they were doing the whole like, we're going to keep pounding Jalen Warren here until you can stop it. Well, the Ravens eventually showed they could stop it, and they got away from it. But there was a point in the game there where – the offense had something figured out with Jalen Warren. And if you're going to make that guy start and play a majority way more than Najee, the, the spark ability just kind of 
it lessens, you know? Yeah, like I, exactly. I like what he offers to the offense right now, and he's good at what he offers right now. I think I think there's times where I think there's times where Warren struggles just as much. I wish they would have tried something like this. This sounds almost like sacrilegious, but I wish they would have tried this with Benny Snell because I think Benny Snell, like it wasn't a guy that you could just bring in. He was not a short yardage back. That was not really his thing, but he's a rhythm guy. You start feeding yeah. him the ball. And I think Najee needs a rhythm. And I think Jalen Warren, Jalen Warren, I mean, I feel like Jalen Warren does hit the hole a lot faster, but I also feel like he's an easier guy to tackle. And I still worry sometimes about his ball security, but he did. He broke off the one big run. So he ends up with the the bigger average of the two four uh 4.4 yards per carry in the game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and I can explain why carries. it looks like Jalen Warren hits the hole harder. It's because he's faster. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Najee's no slouch, no, no, but 14 for 37, trying to grind out some uh, hard yards there. And uh, they were almost even split in as far as production, 37 yards for Harris, 40 for Warren. Najee had five more carries, five additional carries there. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I think some dudes that uh, – so as we're going in through this, the Steelers get the ball back. You you had that really goofy, like, whole play. Alex Highsmith comes in. What a game. There are still people that were – I've been banging my fist about this dude forever. I will say it. I will scream it from the mountains. I will shout it louder for those in the back. Even I think Dale Lawley had a snarky tweet that came out post game about uh, Alex Highsmith and his ability to get after quarterbacks. He is a very good compliment to TJ Watt. You put too much focus on some of the other guys that are out there. And Alex Highsmith is also going to make you pay. And the Steelers ended up paying, giving him an extension. Some people still didn't realize who he was. You still had idiots in the national media who thought that Marcus Golden getting signed was going to be like, oh, well, here's the guy that's playing alongside Watt. And then in the same breath, these people like blow up people like Jadavian Clowney. I barely heard his name yesterday. And he's playing for the Ravens. Anybody know that? The Ravens went out inside Kyle Vannoy. You have some of the clickbait bloggers and stuff, some of the other opposing talking heads that, Really thought that the Steelers should have went after Van Noy, too. Just total disrespect to put some respect on Alex Highsmith's name. He is also game wrecker. He gets a sack here right after all of this weirdness. So you have a 30-yard play to Nelson Aguilar, and then you go back 14 yards. Then there was also um, there was a holding call on this. So it didn't it end Minka. up yeah, on Minka. I don't know how legit it was. Couldn't see anything on a replay with it. It seemed like the officiating was somewhere between we're just not going to pay attention to it or we're going to let them play. I can't figure out which which was which in this uh, game. As we go forward, Jackson gets sacked uh, here. You end up with a third and six from the Steelers' 43. They lose three yards. They didn't get close enough for Tucker to try like some 80-yard field goal. We need to talk about the inside linebackers and their impact on this game as well. Because between Landon Roberts, Cole Holcomb, and Quan Alexander, these dudes played their ass off yesterday. Who's I your have, best game? By far. It seemed like everything started clicking. And I'm not going to lie. Joey Porter really started to make some things disruptive. I think it really helped. I mean, if he could ascend from being a rookie to being a corner one, was like you weren't even sure if he had two corner twos i was still defending pat pete here but pat pete just looked he looked out of place this whole first half i'm not sure if the nickel corner situation was ever resolved with sullivan that's the reason they brought desmond king in not just to return kicks even though that's a thing that he's been known for but when have you known mike tomlin to ever uses dbs to return kicks and punts he doesn't ever put his dbs out there in that situation so i think we're going to see more to come uh that looks that actually made levi wallace look like 
a competent corner out here and allowed just those extra few precious seconds allows everybody else to get home and disrupt Lamar Jackson. And you see it here. The Steelers get the ball back three minutes ago in the third quarter, and then some some good things start to happen, but they still didn't quite materialize the full way. Yeah, the defense, it's really cool whenever the Steelers' defense starts feeding off of its own energy, you know? And you could kind of see it come to life towards the end of the second half, end of the third quarter, throughout the fourth, where Highsmith was humming, TJ was humming, Quan Alexander playing with such high energy, love seeing that. And then the more pieces that come together on the defense, it's like only good things can come of that. You know, you see a sack here, a stuff for a loss there, and then boom, Joey Porter interception. So if they can find a way to replicate that kind of energy every game, this defense can be really good. It's just when they get in their own way and seemingly forget how to tackle that stuff goes awry. Awry. Stuff goes awry. Yeah. Like we saw versus the Texans. You know, like Texans, you look at the Texans tape and the Ravens tape, we're looking at two different defenses. Yeah. So whatever they need to do to keep themselves up at this level of like high energy, keep doing it because against the Ravens in the second half, they looked like a way better defense than we saw in the first half. Yeah, there was a couple different things with that too. I think um, I got to look at some snap counts here, but um, I'm going to find I'm going to finish up with that about what the defense, what the offensive defense can do differently, and as well as special teams. We're getting right about to that point. The uh, the Steelers get the ball back. You had Najee cook it a little bit. Five yard run, six yard run. Uh, Kenny Pickett finds George Pickett's down the field. Now they soften him up a little bit. Twenty three yards because they're sitting too too forward. They just think they're going to be too complacent. Um, Najee gets stuffed for one, but then Kenny goes back, finds George Pickens again, 13 yards. It's starting to fire up. Jalen Warren, three yards, second and seven. Najee gets stuffed for nothing. They tried to go uh, right tackle. It didn't work. Kenny gets sacked here. This could have been the one I was talking about before with Patrick Queen and Jason Matabike, but I, I, I can't I can't recall for sure. Uh, Brad Wing, nice little punt. 42 yards, gets it about the Baltimore 20. There was a penalty on the first play. Baltimore gets backed up first and 20. So now you're starting to think, oh, geez, you know what, man? We're sitting here in this game. It's 10 to 3, and they still haven't been able to generate. I mean, it got a little bit of offense going, but not much. We're play still playing this, you know, little nickel-dime chunk field position. At some point, something's got to give. It's 10-3. Can we get a field goal at the very least? Get some points on the board. It's still within reach, but it feels like classic Mike Tomlin. Let's just we're going to grind this out and it's like watching paint dry almost, right? Uh, but you as worry this... about You worry about the game eventually slipping out of reach. Yes. You know, I, I appreciate Tomlin being able to keep us in it in games like these, but every game has its turning point. You know, it's breaking point. And um, I thought that point was when Gunner fumbled the punt away. Um, thankfully, it wasn't. But that's the only issue with keeping it tight like this and not doing anything on offense is you're kind of just waiting on the edge of your seat mm -hmm. for that other shoe to drop and the Ravens to just, like, score a long touchdown. And like I said, that almost happened. Thankfully, it didn't. But that was I, I was happy in the moment that we were in the game. But that fear was very much alive in my head that at any moment here, the Ravens can just pop off one big play and, and we're going to be too far out of this thing. Absolutely. Right as this was all transpiring following the punt, they decided to turn the board black. I had a very cool um, couple, older couple Ravens fans that were actually sitting next to me. Guy knew ball. 
Like he was cool to talk to. Like he knew as much about the Steelers as you do with the Ravens. He was talking about coaching. He was talking about like backups. Why are we doing this? Oh, he was hot about that fourth and two, too. Like totally hot over it. So, um, oh yeah, can it, you imagine us? Yeah, I know. And he, you know they put Renegade. They just start to play Renegade, and it was totally underwhelmed by it. I'm like, why are they playing Renegade right now? And um, trying to explain this to. You know, uh, I've mentioned uh, the girlfriend a few times here. She goes to the game. She hadn't been to a regular season game. She hadn't experienced Renegade. But this game had sucked up to this point. And it's like, well, is this the big stop they really need? And I mentioned to my cousin who's sitting with me. He's like, why are we playing it here? He's like, he's always uh, negative Nancy, right? And when I was, I, I made a smart-ass remark. I'm like, when else are they going to play it? Like, because if they end up scoring here, you're going to play it when they're down, like, two scores for a big stop? Like, this might be it. play it while we're still alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, let's get an opportunity here to maybe play it now because they might not get another chance of the rest of the game. So, end up like the Niners game where they didn't play it once. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like, they needed that in, the, like, the, the first quarter. But I remember, um, what's her name? The Brooke Pryor that does the coverage for ESPN for the Steelers. And she had said, like, maybe two years ago that she had thought Renegade was dead. And all of a sudden, like, it's like, I don't know, like, this little magical thing. I mean, you can't count it all the time. I don't know if it's superstitious or what. But they play Renegade. And all of a sudden, like, everything kind of turns on its head, right? Uh, not the way that you were expecting it to. Uh, you had the offensive p- penalty, or uh, so the Baltimore's backed up to their 10. It's first and 20, and you're like, okay, how are they going to blow it here? Are they going to blow this again? And uh, Justice Hill gets tackled, okay, just four yards. Um, uh, so second and 16, and he um, Jackson goes to try and find uh, Justice Hill on a little like screen pass and he gets blown up once again by Quan Alexander. They lose five yards here. Now it's third and 21. This place is going absolutely nuts. Jackson has a keeper. Cole Holcomb is there ready for him. Once again, inside linebackers. The corners are doing their job. He can't find anything. You're getting pressure from the rest of the de- defensive front. They got a punt. Your dude, you've mentioned this so many times. What is he, the pump block god? What do you want to call him? Pump block god, Miles yeah. Killebrew, man. He's done it like four times since we got him. It's, I'm surprised that isn't getting more attention from like national circuits. Yeah. It's not hard to look up. If the Steelers have blocked a punt in the past like three years, it's been Miles Killebrew nine times out of ten. The guy is so good at Magnet. it. He is a special teams demon, pump block god. You remember um, Calais Camel? with the blocked uh, field goal or extra point or whatever it was last year. And it was like, how do you not just block that guy? That was the comment. It's the same thing. Look for 28. He seems yeah. to get out there and he makes these plays. And- I really appreciate him because he's a guy who understands mm-hmm. his role. He's a team player. He's a good locker room guy, good community guy. Captain he's too. not looking for a starting defensive spot. He just knows that he's really freaking good at pump block <laughs> and the other special team phases as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a um, he's a special teams captain as well. So the Steelers, yeah. this ends up uh, Rodney Williams just called up right, and uh, because of the injury or the yeah the injury to Pat Fryermuth, they need an extra tight end, an extra body, somebody play special teams, and he nearly recovers this inbounds. You're like, oh man, just Brother, that's skin. as close as it gets. I know his, his elbow was in. It was it was because his forearm that's attached to the elbow. <laughs> obviously it like it all touched the white at once it sucked it was like dude it was inches away from being a touchdown not that it ended up killing the Steelers but you you wanted that touchdown so bad but regardless seeing a pump block 
minutes after Renegade that Renegade works. Anything like anything else in this world that's really good, really exciting, really fun. There's going to be moments in time where there's chinks in the armor. And yeah, I know the Buffalo Bills, the year with Duck Hodges came in and they used it against us and they they practiced with it. But I mean, almost every time Renegade works to a certain extent. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I, I was mind blown by all this. I just see, you know, I love when the crowd all does it like in unison, right? You got your hands over your head and you're like, you're like safety. Yeah, safety, safety. Like it's almost like yeah, it's like baby shark almost like do 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 like you could do that at the same time. Or the uh, I dream a genie. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good too, man. Uh, Steelers get to hopefully get to cook it. You had a three yard little pass out to Najee Harris. Now he's in the pass game. You're trying to stretch these guys out, keep them from breathing down your neck. Uh, then he goes right tackle. Like why are you running to the right? Kyle Hamilton stops him, loss of a yard, third and eight, and you already feel like man, you had this big play. You had um, you know you had this freak kick and and during that actually that return with Gunnar Olszewski was in there Brian had said he was watching Kelvin Austin during warm-ups and he was muffing a lot of punts so we got to make that maybe there was a coaching call why was Gunnar back there and not like somebody else Desmond King or Gunnar like Gunnar's in there instead of Kelvin Austin and it looked like he had the whole left side of the field just no vision like I'm telling you if that was Antonio Brown out there prime Antonio Brown returning that off of the safety off that free kick that was probably a TD that's going to the house. Like their coverage, there was yeah. like one, maybe two guys to beat, and he probably had some blockers, and he just couldn't cut the other direction. So Steelers get the ball back. Uh, it doesn't seem likely, but Jalen Warren, 23 yards. We're mentioning him again. Third and eight, first down, right end. Comes off the right end, 10 yards. Uh, that might have been the hurdle too. Up the middle, Jalen Warren again, 16 yards. The run game is moving. Then he gets up the middle on a first and five and stop for two. Um, incomplete pass to George Pickens. This was at the Baltimore seven. So Jalen Warren gets stopped in the goal line offense. George Pickens unable to bring it in with Arthur Mollett. Arthur Mollest. <laughs> like, this is what I was talking about. Are you just letting dudes just, they're just letting guys play because Mollett never looked for the ball. He was so handsy. He was all over Pickens. Pickens once again in the red zone, unable to come down with a touchdown. Then Allen Robinson appears. Uh, maybe you had a better vision of this replays and stuff at home. Uh, it looks like he fell or I'm not sure what happened there, but Robinson looked like he should have been open for a touchdown there. And the Steelers still just can't get that play. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. He fell, yeah. he fell down. He fell down. And can he put the ball right where he wanted to be actually? Because if he wouldn't have fallen down, Allen Robinson would have caught that ball crossing the goal line, like right above his face mask is what it looked like right above his head. He falls down, making it look like Kenny threw it too high, but anybody watching the television broadcast or even at the game, you could see Robinson fell down and it sucks to see, like, I get it. Kenny's played bad this year outside of the Raiders game and outside of the final, like six or seven minutes versus the Ravens where he rose up to the occasion and was Kenny clutch for the Steelers. But some people are starting to, take his poor performance in other games and it's dwindling their patience away for him because he had nothing to do with the failures in the red zone during that series no. anyway, because he put the ball where you want it to be for a guy like George Pickens to make a contested catch over Arthur Mollett, who's like my height. And they didn't call the defensive pass interference. He was completely turned uh, at George Pickens, didn't play the ball at all. You don't want to root for penalties, but I will make the excuse for Kenny. That wasn't on him. And then Allen Robinson, 
straight up falls down. And yeah. people are on Twitter like, Kenny ain't it, dude. Kenny can't get it done. Kenny can't deliver the ball. I'm like, man, he is missing throws, but you got to look at it with an open mind and, and uh, critique the other players when they make the mistake. He's a quarterback, so he gets a, the brunt of the blame and the um, the brunt of the blame and the brunt of the credit. But when it's not on him, that's, that's just all I'm asking of people. Like we're, we're stuck with Kenny for the duration of this year anyway. And that's not a reason to just blindly root for him and support him, but try to keep that mindset whenever he makes a good play or whenever something goes wrong on the offense, that isn't his fault, you know? And that, that was the case for that red zone series is when people like had seemed to have had it with Kenny at that point. And I'm like, guys, he didn't, that wasn't on him. And, uh, it didn't take long for him to come through in the end and help win the game for us. Yeah. Um, so disappointingly, it just seems like you're there. You're on the seven. You have to kick a 25 yard field goal. It's now 10 to eight. That's like, what kind of score is that? That's not even That's really so Raven Steelers. Yeah, it really is. And you're just like, can they get two more points somehow? Like another safety or we can tie it. But a field goal, I mean, now you're within like, okay, this Matt Canada offense, they might be able to crank out and allow Boswell to hit a 50-yarder or something at the end of this game. And that's kind of where the way you were angling. The Ravens get the ball back seven minutes um, remaining in the game. Lamar Jackson tries to find Zay Flowers. He couldn't hook up. He gets a seven-yard connection with uh Odell Beckham Jr. but Justin Hill gets Justice Hill gets stuffed for a one yard gain by Alandon Roberts who came in like a missile and Justice Hill is a very bulky back to bring down too. I mean both of those guys really are Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Um, so if you could combine the goods of Alandon Roberts, Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb into one singular linebacker, that guy'd be all world. Yeah, he really would be. Um maybe he's like Fred Warner. <laughs> like <laughs> Fred Warner was all over the place uh, for the Niners in that Sunday night game. So here you go. Steelers are going to get the ball back. They force a three and out, down three. They might get some uh, decent uh, field position, and Gunnar Olszewski fumbles. And you're just like, that's all you're praying for is that this guy doesn't make any type of critical error the whole way. I was trying to figure out why he's still on this roster. Steelers just, uh, who'd they pick up? Denzel Mims on the practice squad. Like, they've had Diz Fitzpatrick called up. Deontay Johnson's going to be back in the fold soon off of uh, injured reserve. Like, there is no reason, I think, to continue on with Gunnar Olszewski in any capacity. Like, just de use Desmond King, use Calvin Austin, whatever be the case. Somebody's got to be back there that's better than that because he's lucky he gets bailed out. I saw some Twitter thing where he was going to buy Joey Porter Jr. a gift or give him a gift or something like that. But this give was him pretty, game check. Yeah, this is pretty disheartening. That's what you should give him. Yeah. Um, because like I sit in the one like corner end zone. So when I was talking about Allen Robinson, like everybody sitting there couldn't necessarily see it because it was all the way on the other side for me. I have to watch like the replay. But this one, it was just like I'm watching this. I'm watching this. I'm like, I, I, I'm surprised they just didn't keep pounding the ball for the run. They tried to find a little pitch, little like shovel pass to Mark Andrews, and that got stopped. Quan Alexander was right there just waiting for it. And in a lot of the other passing situations, it was Patrick Peterson that was manning up like on the tight ends. Now, I won't say Mark Andrews is like a burner by any means. So Patrick Peterson, you know, 33 years old, he could certainly be a guy that's big enough. You don't have like a mighty uh, mouse like Mike Hilton. Now you got a very like, nice size corner that's a veteran player. And if he could get the intricacies of playing like maybe a hybrid playing like a dimebacker or something, the guy's already got a Hall of Fame career. So I'm going to be excited to see that. But this is where it's headed to. 
Uh, Baltimore takes a timeout. They're trying to get everything right. They did not like what they saw with the Steelers formation down there on third and five from the Steelers five. They they try to test the rookie, Joey Porter Jr., and guess what? You come after him. Odell Beckham runs probably for whatever, $13, $15 million that they're paying him, probably one of the laziest routes. Porter was hungry. He out-hustled him. He manned up. He took the ball, and there you go. He said, nope. Ravens end up with more points left on the field. Steelers get the ball back by virtue of a touchback um, on their own 20. And, of course, they run the ball, and Najee gets just one yard. So now you're like, okay, is this team going to be able to do this? Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking – I'm sitting there thinking <clears> – <throat> I'm sitting there thinking, don't ruin it. Please don't ruin it, guys, because you talk about going from high to low to high. They punt that ball to Gunner. We're all sitting at home laughing like – insane people like oh what's gonna go wrong here with gunner dude the guy has never done anything good for the steelers the entire time he's been here gunner's best play as a steeler came in preseason when mitch was the starting quarterback and with the quote-unquote starting offense he scored a touchdown that's the best thing gunner has done his Mm -hmm. whole career here and this guy somehow still has a roster spot we are all deathly afraid of this guy anytime he's on the field doing anything he always screws something up the fact that he has a job it's worse than canada man because this guy is easier to get rid of so please get rid of gunner because the emotional roller coaster that the steelers put us through in that final like 10 minutes is unlike anything i've ever felt before watching a football game okay we have a chance no we don't we're screwed i hate this team i'm telling you i was so low and so bad that when joey porter picked that ball off i didn't even move in my chair i was slumped over and i was like great okay actually it is great like i had to like hype myself up after we got it because i was still in the mindset of like just despair and just disappointment about what had transpired before the interception but porter made a great play as i alluded to he's this team's best cornerback he ran odell beckham's route for him uh, yeah. I, I heard a, a fake quote going around that has already duped a bunch of people, but Joey Porter Jr., there was somebody on Twitter that said uh, he told uh, Odell Beckham to go be a family man after the interception. It was fake, but I've heard like national news circuits run with it and, and say it. So like that's going wow. around now. Wow. Wow. Probably because of his dad. Like Joey Porter Jr. doesn't seem like the guy who's like, um, like really trash talky, but because of his dad, that's an easy oh, thing yeah. to read and believe it's like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree you know yeah and um yeah i was trying to explain that to somebody that's newer to football or doesn't follow the steelers in depth that you know girlfriend sitting there watching the game I'm like you got to understand this is like a legacy stealer like his yeah. dad played here and was like one of the sacks leaders and now they bring you know the kid in uh junior and he's good and now he's play, yeah and then he makes like a huge play like that it's just absolutely phenomenal i can't even imagine the pressure of having to wear your dad's name on the back of your jersey in the same place where your dad like was you know a star uh yeah. maybe not a hall of famer but definitely a franchise grade a pro bowler maybe even all pro if i look up porter prop maybe one of those seasons he would have definitely been an all pro because oh definitely I, I think um the the heyday like 2003 to 2005 I, th- I think that's when he was racking up some all pros because he was he was so good during that uh yep. the Super Bowl 40 era. Oh two. Um, yeah, it was oh two with uh, believe it or not, like it, you don't believe this sometimes, but it wasn't even a double digit sack season. Um mm. he only had nine sacks and he was uh, all pro um uh second team in oh four and oh five where he had uh seven sacks and then ten and a half. 
That's um, what I was thinking and of. He fin- yeah, he finished his career in Pittsburgh with 60 sacks. So uh, he was one of the guys that are up there on that list and then played five more seasons, uh, three with the Dolphins. And then um, and he had 32. Cardinals. And then the Cardinals, yeah, 32 sacks in three years with the Miami Dolphins. So he still had like, you know, some juice left in the tank. He yeah, he was seven- still good. I remember um, some some fans, some of my friends I was in middle school with at the time, uh, they weren't happy to see Porter cut. But that's what opened the door for James Harrison. So everybody won. Yeah, and it was um, – and with that Dolphins, a 17-and-a-half sack <laughs> season. That's just um, – that's crazy. I'm trying to think. He had some type of AP uh, accolades that year. He ran in – well, it was a comeback player of the year is what they had him in. He was behind Chad Pennington for the Dolphins. Same team that year. Wow, that's really going down the rabbit hole. So, anyways, back to the Steelers game. Uh, of course, you know, the Steelers, um, are they going to do something here? And you got the interception with Porter over Odell Beckham. Kenny Pickett starts to throw the ball around a little bit. He finds Allen Robinson on third and nine for a 10 yard gain, just enough to move the chains, Marlon Humphrey in coverage. And, uh, then he didn't find him on this, but you end up, um, you end up with like a third four right before the two minute warning. There was a deep pass once again. George Pickens, 21 yards, two-minute warning. Steelers are now over uh, midfield, and they're headed towards uh, the Baltimore end zone. Maybe get into – you're thinking they're going to get into field goal position. They're going to play this conservative. They don't want to give John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson the ball back. They're just going to try and shoot the clock. I I feel ashamed of myself that I was rooting for a field goal at that point, but this is what Matt Canada has done to me. We got to to Boz's range, and I'm thinking, nice, field goal, here we go. We'll win by one, get out of here. I was in shock. But that's not how it went. Good shock. Yes. But I was thinking field goal at that point, 100%, because of the trials and tribulations this offense has put me through. Yeah. So you're going to try and get Baltimore to use some of their timeouts, maybe. Jalen Warren runs the ball, one yard gain. Matabike stops him. And all of a sudden, you have Randy Randy. And everyone thinks that Kenny's calling the plays. Maybe he is. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger told him that's what they used Randy Fickner's name and they've made whatever change. No, it's just like, I guess, a very standard, like, you know, slide to protection right, something that begins a word with a with an R, maybe. Uh, something that's the that, most logical yeah. explanation is it just changes protection from left to right, hence Randy and Louie. Yeah. But I, had some, I, I saw some people having some fun with it. I myself said, Randy, he's saying, this guy is worse than Randy. Let's go deep, you know, he's referring to Randy Feekner. And then somebody else said it was in reference to Randy Moss because uh, Pickens just went deep on the play, Ooh, Randy Moss style. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I, th- I think the sliding the protection thing just makes the most sense. Yeah. And, I mean, there's some type of coaching somewhere, wherever it came from. We don't have to give credit to any specific individual. Give it to everybody because they got it done. 41 yards, touchdown. Um, Perfect pass. pass. Yeah. Uh, burned Marlon Humphrey right there. Who would have thought that? And he ends up playing that shallow because of all he just baited him, and all the protection was there. The time was there. That's been the problem with trying to get downfield. Kenny hadn't had the time to be able to put the, to put a ball downfield. You got to have enough time to be able to get enough of a whatever many step drop, get set, have a clean pocket, and then let it fly. And it hadn't been there a lot. You know what I mean? I almost, I almost think Humphrey was um expecting the back shoulder yeah. because we hit that so many times with Pickens leading up to that point that I don't think he necessarily wasn't playing as hard as he should have been playing Humphrey. But I think in the back of his mind, he might've been thinking they're going to try to hit me with the back shoulder again here. Kill it more time. To, yeah. 
we've seen this before kind of the same yeah. thing with calling randy out and you know this is the chess game that is between the two teams steelers go for two just to try and make it i guess a little more difficult of a game here i guess if baltimore ends up scoring after this then you could have kicked a you know maybe you have a chance at a field goal or something like that to um or you you know it would have been 60 or block an extra point or something of that nature uh i mean i'm i'm cool with it um that wasn't necessarily the best that, that play didn't end up working <laughs> uh now you got Baltimore gets the ball back a minute 17 remaining in the game and immediately Lamar Jackson finds Zay Flowers again you're going to hear this name a lot over the years Zay Flowers is a good pick for them I liked him coming out 19 yards and then the man TJ Watt Alex Highsmith these guys show up strip sack by Highsmith recovered by TJ these guys are just they're just wrecking everything so now you you're thinking all the Steelers need to do run out the clock here Kenny takes a knee Baltimore uses their second timeout Kenny takes a knee Baltimore takes their third timeout and then uh Kenny goes to kneel again and you have an illegal formation with Chooks core for getting tagged Chooks so I mean the Steelers are in field goal position already they bit backed up a little bit Boswell puts uh on a 42 yard field goal for good measure but the clock gets stopped and that was 52 seconds remaining this would have chewed off about what another 30 seconds or so Made yeah. me cut my celebration. I had to sit back down and refocus. Yeah. Means Baltimore. I mean, they were going to get the ball back, but now they got 49 seconds. And what are they going to do? Well, they're going to dig themselves a hole, which is nice. For, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. There was a holding uh, penalty on uh, Simpson, one of their offensive linemen. I think it, this might have been one of the guys that came in because Patrick McCarry ended up getting a chest injury and not returning. And, you know, this is just the pressure of, you know, we've got to watch out. Watt and Highsmith have been all over us now for the last few plays. They get like a, they get a small, uh, they get some of that back, 13 yards from Mark Andrews. And then Lamar Jackson tries to find Devin Duvernay covered by Patrick Peterson and Cole Holcomb. And fourth and seven, TJ Watt says he calls game. This is over with and sacks Lamar Jackson. This is the way that you like to see. You like to see it end. It's almost like storybook. It's almost like scripted. Renegade comes on, and then the game just goes the rest of this way to, you know, TJ Watt scooping up a ball here off of a Highsmith strip sack, and you have TJ Watt calling game, ended up with the sack on Lamar Jackson. Final score, weird way of getting to it, but 17-10 to 10 with a safety and some field goals and a missed uh, two-point attempt. There was a victory formation. I had to feel good for Kenny Pickett and company, come up with a huge divisional win. There was some adjustments that were made. Maybe we'll talk more about the adjustments since we're already up against it on this show. We had a lot to talk about. Offensive coordinators and stuff. We're going to wait and see if there's any other further news on that. So we're going to table some of that. But all in all, um, you ended up with, let me see, Porter ended up playing about 40% of the game. Benton played 47% of the game. Those were all upticks. They're probably, um, if I went to look, probably records for those guys as far as their participation in the game. Good team win. Gunner almost like shanked it for them. Thank you, Harbaugh, for being a moron and uh, allowing to not kick that field goal. What else Thank can you, you say? Thank you, Lamar, for never playing good against the Steelers. Yeah, throwing them in the dirt, getting pressured. TJ coming on big at the Thank end. Thank you, Nelson Aguilar, for not being able to catch the ball. <laughs> I tell you, and if you look at this, I mean, you're going to talk about how bad the Steelers were offensively, right? But if you look at the overall statistics in this game, uh, the Ravens had 19 first downs to the Steelers, 17. 
They had seven rushing the ball. The Steelers had six. They both had 11 apiece by passing. Ravens got one via penalty. Third down efficiency, 36% for the Ravens, 40% for the Steelers. Total net yards, Steelers uh, 289. Ravens ended up with 335. Ravens ran two more offensive plays. They did have an average game of uh, average gain of 0.6 more yards per offensive play at 5.0 than the Steelers. So they really struggled as this game uh, came to a conclusion. Ever since they put up the 10 points on that field goal, they were held to that field goal. A fumble, turnover on downs, punt, punt, safety, punt, interception, fumble, turnover on downs. Pretty good job by the defense containing the high-priced Cadillac of a quarterback that was Lamar Jackson. I would say so. And you know what? I can already tell the fun police are out. They were out yesterday after the win talking about how we still suck. And granted, some pieces do still suck, Matt Canada, but celebrate with your teammates. Be happy. Okay. The NFL season is the shortest of all pro seasons. You only get 17 games like this. The Steelers are 2-0 and in their division. They're atop of the division by themselves. Right now, if the season were to end, they're in the playoffs. They're working on things. Be happy. This is, it's not going to last long. We hope it does, but the season is short and it's a week by week league. And I don't think anybody should feel any type of shame for celebrating the first place AFC North Steelers right now. They're, they're looking as good as we can hope with the male practice going on, on the offensive side of the ball. Three wins all the AFC, two of them in a division. They're on top right now with a chance to get better, also a chance to get healthy. How much of an impact do you think getting Cam Hayward back soon will be? Deontay Johnson going to help too? Yeah. I mean, put him out there now with Ogunjobi and slide Betton in on a rotation. It's looking promising. We'll say that much. Yeah, Deontay too. I'm looking forward to it. Folks, that'll do it for us. Longer show, my friend. Thanks for hanging and banging with us, Zach. Uh, bye week now, which is always tough. Uh, I don't know what to do, but we'll be back either later this week, or early next week with some more thoughts. It'd be tougher if we lost. We get to kick back and relax. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, I'll take that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I <laughs> The whole way. And I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I think we'll leave it at that. We cover uncovered every rock on this one. It was a lot better than last week where there were absolutely zero highlights zero plays of the game now we're gonna have like a whole handful of them there's so many to choose from you gotta actually pick and choose that always feels good Steelers at three and two heading into the bye uh who else is in their bye week this upcoming week uh just the Packers and the Steelers so you get to see the rest of the AFC North just to whip around the Browns are hosting the 40 the 5 and 0 49ers they don't even know if Deshaun Watson's going to be ready to go after they just had a bye week this weekend. And then you have the Bengals and Seahawks. Bengals are at home as well. And then the Ravens go on the road to play in London against the Tennessee Titans. Ouch. They had to play two divisional games on the road. Now they go and fly across the pond. That's rough, man. That's really rough. But, hey, I don't care. Now I've got to shed a tear for them. So Playing a song on the smallest violin right now for them. There it is. Feels good. Till next time, folks. My name's Joe. His name's Zach. We encourage everyone out there to be safe, be good, and we'll catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com.